you for joining tonight here at the uh, Praise Church of Louisiana. We're going to have a good time talking to you tonight, and hopefully we'll be able to break the word where we can grab a hold of it, make it applicable for our own personal life so that we can walk the word out. You know, the word of God is given to us, and you can't exhaust its, its knowledge, its understanding, its impartation, all of that. When we look at the scripture, we look at it and we can read historical stories. But when you and I look at it, I don't want just a historical story. I want the word of God to speak to me where I am today. Amen. So that I can improve my life and get closer to God. And the purpose of the word of God is to give us instruction, to reprove us, to cause us to grow. The word says study to show yourself approved so that you can move into what God has for you. I believe that everyone has a destiny that God has designed for them to walk in. Now it's up to us to find that destiny. It's up to us to walk it out in the journey of life and ultimately end up in the place where God wants us to be. In order to do that, I need to study the Word. Amen. And the more that I study the Word of God, the more knowledge that I get about the Lord and about my journey that I'm in. Amen. You know, when the enemy comes against us, you know, we, we feel the oppression, we get stressed out, we feel attacks that come our way. But I can be assured in the word that even though I'm going through trials or struggles, that the weapons that are coming against me or the warfare that's coming against me is not going to prosper. Amen. So I may feel the pressure, I may feel the, the opposition, but yet I know that the end results is I'm going to overcome. Yes. No weapon formed against us shall prosper. Now, a weapon that is coming against people could be a variety of different things, or it can be different for each person. One person may have had a, a diagnosis from a doctor that is really weighing heavy on them, where another person... They're in a financial bind, and in another family might be in a family crisis. All of those things are warfares that we go through. But when I start reading the Word, there is an assurance that comes in that helps build my faith. The Word says that faith cometh by hearing and by hearing the Word of God. So it's the Word of God that brings us to a place that our faith attaches to it. And it begins to grow and begins to gain strength. The word also says, if you have faith of a mustard seed, you can speak to that mountain, and that mountain has to obey you. Now, you say, well, there's mountains all around us and, and, and these, these areas in our life. Every one of us has a mountain that we have to climb. Every one of us have valleys that we go through, and... Every one of us have obstacles that we're up against. But when I start studying the word and it tells me that there's life and death in the power of the tongue, which means that I could literally begin to speak life or blessings over my life by what I say, or I can actually curse my life by what I say. And when I study the Word of God, it helps me learn how to speak over my life. It helps me learn that the enemy comes into our life and plants seed from even generations prior to our existence that ultimately filters down to our generation. And we find ourselves saying the same things that previous generations have said. And we're growing up and we say, you know what, I'll never say that when I get older. And then we find when we're older that these things creep out of our mouth. And as a result of it, we begin to speak a path in which we're going to walk by the words that we're saying. Now in scripture, it tells us that we need to guard our lips, guard our mouth, guard what comes out of our mouth. The word tells us also out of the abundance of man's heart, his mouth will speak. So in order for me to speak the things that God has determined or prescribed for me to speak, 
then I may need to change my heart in order to, uh, and come into alignment with his word in order to speak his word over my life. I hope I'm making sense with you tonight because we're going into a place where that not only are we speaking in our life, but we're going to be filled with the Holy Spirit that the Holy Spirit can pray through us and begin to speak what God has prescribed for us. But our faith has to be in his word. I'm, I'm going to take a break just a second here. I know you've got some things that you're wanting to share, and then I'm going to come right back. Just uh, my wife is sitting here patiently. She usually opens up, and, and, uh, but I just jumped in here tonight. And, and uh, so anyway, I don't know, you have a comment you want to say on that, or you want me just to keep going? You keep going. All right. Go with me to Genesis chapter 12. I'm going to read to you just a few verses here about Abraham, or Abram at this time. We find that Abram was the Earl of Chaldees, and uh, he's a notable man. We don't know what his thoughts were about God, but from every indication, we can, we can say that he was probably one that was just of the world. He's not a priest. He's not a bishop. He's just a person that God is going to use. And, and, I'm, and I'm saying that because there's a lot of people think that God doesn't speak to people unless they're in the church. God doesn't speak to anybody unless they're a believer. This is not true. I believe he's speaking to everyone that will hear. The, the Bible tells us that we can't even come to God except that the Holy Spirit lead us. Right. <clears throat> so if I'm a sinner and the Holy Spirit leads me, then he is speaking mm -hmm. to my life. But we don't recognize many times as he speaks because we don't have a knowledge of him. Abram is being spoken to by the Lord. He says, now the Lord said to Abram, get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. Now, this is interesting because the Lord doesn't show him where he's going before he leaves. Which, as we look at it, we can see that God is pushing Abram into a place that he responds in faith. Now the Lord said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee, and I will make thee a great nation. And I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse them that curseth thee. And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And so Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him. Now this is interesting, because in the first three verses, the Lord's speaking to him, and he's saying, get out, get out, get out. Three times he's telling him, get out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I'm going to show you. Now, I'm going to tell you, this is, this is a big step for Abram to step out in faith that the Lord was speaking to him, and he began to hear, and God says three things to him here. Get out of your country, get away from your kindred, and get away from your father's house. Now, I think that's interesting that these three areas, he's dealing with culture, he's dealing with mindsets that... His kindred are speaking, and he's getting out of the country or out of the father's house of influence that's upon him. Now, God's not telling all of us to get out of our country, get out of our house, get out away from our kindred. But what he is telling us is to not allow the mindsets that are in your country, in your, in your kindred, and in your father's house to influence 
your response to what God is saying to you. Get out, get out, get out. There are things that in our life as we begin to grow in the things of God, things that we have been taught generationally that does not bring us into alignment with what God's word is for our destiny, God's saying you need to get out of that mindset. You need to get away from that thinking so that I can bring you to a place that I have planned for you and you can become a blessing to all the earth. Now, he's saying get out, get away from, and stop thinking the way you've been thinking because I'm going to bring you somewhere that's going to bring you. He says, and I will make thee a great nation and I will bless thee and make thy name great and thou shalt be a blessing and I will bless them that bless thee and curse them that curse thee uh, and all the families and in the shall all families of the earth be blessed. So Abram departed from uh, departed as the Lord had spoken unto him and Lot with, with him. Now, this is a family member. He's now bringing a family member out, and the Lord's told him, get away from it. <laughs> and this is, there's nothing wrong with family, but God's telling him to get away from it. Now, look at this. Lot comes with him, and there's nothing wrong with, with this here, because Lot teaches Abram something later on in life that's very valuable. We're not going to go into that tonight, but so it goes on and it says, and Abram was 75 years old when he departed out of Haran. And Abram took Sarai and his wife, his wife and, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their substance that they had gathered and the souls that they had gotten in Haran. And they went forth to go into the land of Canaan. And into the land of Canaan they came. And Abram passed through the land unto the place of Shechem, unto the plain of Morah. And the Canaanite was then in the land. Now, God is bringing him out of one culture, and he's exposing him to a whole different culture. Now, I believe that there are times where God begins to move in our life for us to cross-pollinate, if you will. You know, when we start looking at, at cults, we find that cults are basically have their own belief system, mm -hmm. and in that belief system, if you don't conform to that belief system, they, they condemn you, and they want to basically declare you to go to hell because you're not conforming to their thoughts or their way of belief. So it becomes a cult when their idol now becomes more their belief system and they have more homage to their belief than they have to God. And God can move in all kinds of ways and speak to people all over as he wants to speak to people. And there's nobody that has the total recipe of who God is because you can't exhaust him, of his word. The word is inexhaustible. And, and when we think that we've got it all together, then it could be a potential for us to turn into a cultish mindset where that our belief system is hinged upon that and we cannot receive anything else except that. And if we don't wear our hair the way they say we need to wear our hair, and we don't believe this way, the way that they believe that way, then we are missing the boat because they've got all the answers. That's a dangerous place to be. Why? It's a dangerous place to be because it puts us in a position that we have become an elitist group, that we think we have all the answers. Now, at the turn of the century, we find that the church kind of buried its head in the sand. And the world kept growing. And as the world kept growing, the world begins to develop its way into different mindsets and different thoughts where that 
before the turn of the century, the influence of the world came out of the church. So the church was, in, was an influence in the world, and then all of a sudden it buries its head. The world, the world mindset begins to emerge, and the church ignores what's taking place because the church says, we have all the answers, we are the elect, and we're pushing ourselves aside and we're separating ourselves from the world, and now we have become ineffective and irrelevant to the world. And the world makes fun of the church because it has these ideologies that it's hanging on to. <laughs> and if you don't look the way that the church looks or acts the way the church acts, then, then there's no need for you to come because you can't measure up to what the church says. I'm saying this because in the times that we're in, we're finding that the influence of the church is not relevant in the world today. And as a result of the Bible being removed from school, prayer being removed from the home, relationship with God was being, was being uh, so scarce amongst his, God's people that we have actually lost our grip and our understanding of how to even relate to this culture that we have, which we call the world. So change has to take place. So as we're reading in here about Abram, God removes him from the culture in which he is in and brings him to Canaan, to a culture that he didn't understand so that he can be an influence in the world. And you and I as believers, we don't need to put our head in the sand and not be friendly to the people in the world and not think that they can't be saved because of the way that they dress or the way that they act. We have to look at people as souls but the word tells us in Ephesians 6.12 that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, and spiritual wickedness that's in high places. Look it up, Ephesians 6.12, and it tells you what we're wrestling with. Our, our fight is not against people. It's against spirits that are influencing the world system to bring it into alignment with a Luciferian mindset. Christ came into the world to set us free. He says that he's come to open the eyes of the blind and deliver those that are oppressed by the devil. Now here's my question for the church. Are we effective in bringing people to an understanding or bringing people that are oppressed by the enemy to a place of deliverance, to a place of freedom, so that they too can experience the goodness of God. The word says it's the goodness of God that leads them to salvation, not the condemnation. It's the goodness of God. So are we effective in bringing and delivering a message or even a demonstration of who God really is. There should be healings. There should be miracles. There should be the manifestations of God's power and the attributes of God in our world today, not just in church, but in our world. And I believe we're coming to the stage of seeing miracles like never before. Amen. We're coming to a place where that people in the church are becoming hungry again for a move of God. Yeah. Not just, to, not just to read his word and have a hallelujah moment, but, under, but to understand that the word of God should be such an influence in our life mm -hmm. and such a mandate upon us that we grab a hold of the word and as we walk in the streets, that the power of God works through us. Amen. Not confined in a church service, but is brought outside the four walls of a church in the restaurant, in the school, at the workplace, wherever we may go, that the power of God is upon us because we're living in a world that is hurting so bad 
and has so much fear and anxiety about the future. Our future as the church is very bright. As we follow after God, we understand that there are things that have to come into order before the return of Christ. And one of those things is an outpouring of God's glory on all the earth. Right. That is not just going to be in one region, one city, one state, one nation. It's going to be global. And I believe that we're at the stage of moving into a place of seeing this, but the church has to become relevant to the world. That we take what we know in the Word of God and bring it to a culture that does not understand the power of God by the demonstration of His Word. And when we do that, when we bring the presence of God into a culture that is suffering, that is oppressed, that is in fear, anxiety, and we start demonstrating the power of God, then the goodness of God draws man to salvation. And they're more apt to receive Christ than for someone to take a Bible and hit him over the head with it. You know, we're living in interesting times today, but I believe that the times are going to get more interesting as God pours out his spirit on all the earth. Amen. The word says, in the last days, Joel prophesies and says, in the last days, your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. He says, I'm going to pour out my spirit upon all flesh, not just the church. Sometimes, sometimes the church has this mindset of being exclusive, that we're the only ones that's going to be blessed. But the word says, He's going to pour his spirit out on all flesh. That means those that are believers and those that are non-believers. They're going to have an encounter with God. And they're going to feel his presence. And they're going to see his goodness. Here's a question that I have for you. Are people that are watching your life seeing the goodness of God operating and working in your life? Or... Are they seeing you speak the same language that the world is speaking? And I'm not talking about English or any other language. I'm talking about your expression towards God and your gratefulness towards God and his manifested, manifested power in your life, revealing his glory. That's where we should be. Right. At every place we go, there should be a smile on our face. There should be a, a, a kick in our steps. We should have joy in our life that people are drawn to the joy that is within us. How can you be happy with all the troubles that are going on? How, these should be questions that we should be receiving every day. How, how can you... Have joy in your life when we've got all of this that's being discussed, where racial tension, where things are being propagated on television and issues are happening all around, and there's such a great divide with everything and everybody today. Well, I can have joy because I know what the Word of God says. I know the story about Pharaoh and Moses, how that Moses came and said, let my people go. And they were brought out of Egypt and brought to the Red Sea. And then all of a sudden, Moses lifts his rod out over the sea and the waters parted and they walked over on dry ground. And Pharaoh was hot on their heels. Their horses and chariots were coming. And then all of a sudden, when they got in the middle of the Red Sea on dry ground, as the children of Israel was walking before God at that moment, and all of a sudden, they were buried in the sand. They were stuck in the middle of the Red Sea. And then when the last child of God, of Israel, crossed over and stepped on the new territory, the, the promised land that God gave them, 
Then the waters collapsed upon Pharaoh and his men. His horses, his chariots, all of it was at the bottom of the Red Sea. No more to be seen by Israel any longer. So when I understand that word and I understand what's happening in the world and understand what the prophets are prophesying, then I can understand where we are as the church and in this world, that the world is about to see one of the greatest phenomenons that has ever taken place. Pharaoh, we will not see any longer, which means that we're about to see the power of God mm -hmm. move yep. to set the captives free mm -hmm. from unjust hands. Amen, amen. Now, <clears throat> so this, this becomes exciting when you start looking at the Word of God and you find where we are biblically. You say, well, that happened in the Old Testament. That happened 2,000 years ago, 2,500 years ago. It happened in, in times past. But what I said earlier is, it's you can't exhaust the Word of God. Right. And the Word of God, even though it was written then, it's relevant today. Because the types, the shadows that are in the Word of God gives us reflections of the past to tell us where we are in our present to show us where we're going in the future. And when I start looking at the Word, I can actually see what God is doing today. So when I see it in the word and the Holy Spirit begins to reveal this is where we are, I can, I can be at peace in my soul. Even though I'm concerned about what's taking place in the world, I can be at peace when others' <clears throat> minds are troubled. <clears throat> so as I look at the word, I can understand what God's doing in the times that we're in. This is why it's important for us to read the Word, study the Word, because the, the Word says that the Holy Spirit will remind us of the Word. Yeah. Why, why, why would He remind us of a story in the past? To tell us of a reflection that's taking place in our present so we know the end results as we follow after the Word. So I can look at the Red Sea moment and see where the, the chariots, the, the army, the Pharaoh, all was engulfed <laughs> in the Red Sea. But the children of Israel entered into their promised land. They entered into the place of promise that God had given to them. So we're at the, we're at the threshold right now mm -hmm. of entering into the promises that God has given to his children and to this world. I look at Scripture and I begin to see the conflict that's taking place even amongst the religious crowd. I believe this, I believe that, I don't believe this, I don't believe that. We, then we go to the story of Elijah and Elisha, where that Elisha was serving Elijah and went to every town with him. In fact, Elijah told him, you stay here. He said, no, as long as, as, as you're living, I'm following after you. Why? Because he knew that Elijah had something that he needed, and he followed after him. Then we have the sons of the prophets, which were other prophets. The schools of the prophets came out to see them. Yep. In, fact, in fact, they were discerning enough to know that Elijah was going to be taken from Elisha that day. Because mm -hmm. they discussed it. They said, don't you know that your master is going to be taken from you today? Mm -hmm. And Elisha would say, hold your peace. Keep your mouth shut. I don't want to hear it. Mm -hmm. It wasn't that he was in denial. He knew it because he was a prophet also. Right. But here's the dividing point. Talking about the Red Sea, let's look at the church, how it's divided. Let's look at that times, how it was divided then. The sons of the prophet begin to, to mock this situation, and they watched as Elijah and Elisha crossed over the Jordan. Elijah pulled his mantle, struck the water, the Jordan parted, they crossed over on dry land, and Elijah says to Elisha, what can I do for you before I'm taken? Mm -hmm. And Elisha says this, I want a double portion. Elijah says, 
you ask a hard thing, but nevertheless, if you see me when I'm taken, then you'll receive it. All of a sudden, a chariot of fire comes, a whirlwind comes, and a chariot of fire comes down, swoops up Elijah, separates the two of them, swoops him up, and Elijah, Elisha now is saying, my father, my father. Now, there's a lot in that. Yeah. And he's taken away. And the mantle that Elijah struck the water with falls from the chariot, and Elisha picks it up. And this gets interesting because when Elisha comes back to the Jordan by himself, he takes the mantle. <laughs> Where is the God of Elijah? Strikes the water and the water parts. The sons of the prophets, the school of the prophets are in their arena watching every event and every word that's being spoken they're hearing. And they say, truly, the spirit of Elijah rests upon Elisha. But then they make this comment to Elisha. Let us go just in case that Elijah is playing a trick on us. And can you imagine? All of the prophets knew that Elijah was going to be taken that day. And they're saying, there's something funny going on here. Maybe he's playing a trick. And Elijah, Elijah, Elisha's ignoring them, and then they keep on, and he says, go ahead and go. But this is the interesting thing. <clears throat> At the end of this, they come to Elisha, and they say that the place where they're living is a nice place to live. But if you go back in Scripture, you find that that territory was cursed. They're saying this is a nice place where we dwell, but there's no water. Here's the question. You have all of these prophets, and you have no water? What's wrong with these prophets that they can't pull water? What's wrong with these prophets? The sons of the prophets, not just one, but a whole company of prophets that are there. Mm -hmm. And there's no water. Tells you where maybe their faith is, or maybe even understanding their purpose wasn't with them. They didn't understand that they had power of God to pull these things in. Hmm. Could it be that the mockery that's taking place amongst churches is because we don't understand our purpose. We, we don't have a clear clue of our destiny. So the church is more warring against itself, and we can't draw water because of the division that we have in the body of Christ. There's no power in the division. I was reading a book this week in dealing with authority and dealing with obedience, how, how Lucifer rebelled against God. He said, I'll be like the most high. I'll, I'll be like the stars. You know, all of these things he's saying. And the word said he was hurled out of heaven because there was iniquity in him. Rebellion, in this, in this one book I was reading, he says rebellion is harder to forgive than regular sin. Why? Because it's cutting against the purpose of God. You say, well, all sin is bad. But rebellion is referred to in Scripture as a form of witchcraft. So when we rebel against what God is saying and what he has put in his word purposefully, then what we're doing is we're coming into alignment with what Satan practiced and is practicing. So we could, we could declare and say that we're believers, but yet still be practicing rebellion in our life. And I think maybe sometimes the church may be in rebellion instead of going into all the earth, all the world, and preaching the gospel to every creature. Instead, we're trying to make a point amongst the denominations that's really frivolous anyway. It doesn't amount to 
very much except for your cult. That's a strong statement. But when your guidelines become greater than your worship to God, you have become a cult. That's a strong yeah. statement too. Mm -hmm. But the truth of it is, when we're rebelling against the word, we're in trouble. And I believe that the world today needs to see a church. The, the word tells us, needs to see a church that's pure at heart. The word tells us that when Jesus returns, he's returning for his bride. Who is his bride? It's the church. A bride without spot or blemish. Now we can say, because, because of the blood of Jesus, we've been, all of our sins have been washed away and cleansed, which is true. But have we allowed our own ideology to become a God to us rather than us being pure and without wrinkle? So we become more judgmental than we are healers. We become more critical than we are honorable. I feel like I'm doing a dialogue right now. And it's a strong, strong stuff here, but the reality, when we start looking at Abram's life here, and he says, unto you, I'm going to make you a blessing to all nations. And it only took obedience, even though he was leaving his own country, his own kindred, and his family. I don't think he was saying to reject your family. I think he was saying, get out of the mindset that you've been taught because I'm going to use you in a new culture to change them for better. Mm -hmm. And I think everyone that we come in contact with, we're dealing with another culture. And we have been set to make them better. So when there's a cross-pollination, not only do we learn from that culture, but they learn from the culture of God's kingdom to make us all stronger. Mm. I hope you got something from that. Amen. I hope it challenges all of us. If you want to read that, you can go into Genesis chapter 12. <clears throat> Just begin with verse 1 and go down and you see what took place in Abram's life. And then all of a sudden, Abram becomes Abraham. He takes on part of God's name. Mm -hmm. And he becomes a blessing. And his children became a blessing. He says, I'll make your name great. Yes. Man. And thou shalt be a blessing, and I will bless them that bless thee and curse those that curse you. Mm. Man, that's a strong deal. <laughs> you know, I know, I know in our life there are, are things that are said, things that are done, people that don't like the stand we take, don't like the stand we make. I have to answer to God, not you for me. I have to answer for God for myself. But I've learned and are learning to turn those things loose because God says, I will bless those that bless thee and curse those that curse you. It's not up to me to do the cursing. Mm -hmm. It's up to God to do the cursing. Mm -hmm. It's up to God to pull the rug out from under him. It's up to God. And he says, and thee, and in thee, shall all families of the earth be blessed. In other words, in our life, everyone that you come in contact with should receive a blessing from embracing you. <clears throat> anyway, that's what I come with tonight. Come to drop the balloon. Well, um, some of those... Left you speechless, huh? Well, some of those that are watching are saying, you know, Lord, help us to have, you know, no rebellion in our life. I repent of rebellion and, you know, things of that nature. And so, you know, and, and I know those people that are writing that. And I just want you to be free from any condemnation. It's a great thing.
for us to, to listen and to hear, to study the word and to ask God to show us, you know, if there are areas in our life that need to be changed. Garland and I have observed sometimes over the years that some people who are so desperate for God will tend to take everything that somebody preaches or shares and they, they are so desperate to make sure that they don't fail God, that they almost like, you know, heap, as the word says, heap coals of condemnation upon themselves, you know, and they begin to, to wear that, you know, upon them. So the key here, uh, and because the thing that I came with wanting to share tonight was on practicing the presence of God and really getting to know and develop a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And in several things that you were saying, you were, you were echoing that, you know, in several of the things that you mentioned tonight, even though um, a lot of what you were challenging us was about, you know, it was how to reach the culture and how that when we go into a place, we should change the atmosphere. And when you just finished saying, you know, that other people who are attached to our lives should be blessed because of what we're walking in. And that's because of a life consecrated to Christ, but it's a life in the Holy Spirit. You know, um, we've always called it practicing the presence of God, practicing the presence of the Spirit. My, I can remember my dad preaching series on that. You know, I grew up hearing that. And as a child, there are th those, those of you, you know, there are were raised in church as children, you know, if that was your story, you know, then you would hear a lot of things, but you were too, you were not yet deep enough in your walk with God or in your walk with life. You just had not yet matured enough to fully understand it. And at those seasons of life as a child, I can remember saying, I want to practice the presence of God. But it wasn't until I got older, I matured, and I went through some issues in my life that I had to learn how to practice the presence of God and practice the presence of the Holy Spirit. You know, I just wanted to share this verse out of John chapter 4, verse 24. It says, God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So I grew up singing from the time I was three years old. I was singing. I was on the stage. I was in front of people, and I, was, I knew and I understood that I was singing about the the about who Christ was, that I was lifting praise, I was lifting worship to him because as my mother taught us to sing, she taught us that. I understood the seriousness of that. I understood the importance of that and the necessity of that. But it wasn't until I got older in God that I really began to understand how I could worship him in spirit and in truth. And, you know, to practice the presence of God, here's what it means. It means I can be in the midst of a difficult situation, as Garland was sharing, Abram was in a difficult situation, and there's family challenges here, and, you know, all of this turmoil that's going on, and, you know, he, he had to remove himself in order to acclimate to another culture, as you were sharing, to be able to reach that culture. And so he had to go through a lot of transition, but he had learned how to practice the presence of God. I can give the Holy Spirit the opportunity to totally consume me and overtake me and to operate in every aspect of my life. Or I can say, Jesus, come into my life, but I only want you to come in on this level and that level and these compartments I'm going to keep closed maybe because I don't want to get rid of those strongholds and sins, or maybe because I don't really know how to trust you yet because people in my world that I should have been able to trust let me down, so I don't really know how to trust. You know, and so for whatever reason, there are times in our lives that we don't yield everything to God. We look, and people will look, Christians and non-Christians, will watch a program on television, a movie, they'll they pay money, go to a theater, you know, to watch, you know, back in the day it was The Exorcist or whatever other movies out there that is not just a horror movie, but a movie that depicts people being demon-possessed. But rarely do we stop to realize that everything Satan does and has is a mimic of, of what God has. God is the originator Satan is the copycat. He is not original in any way. And so if I could 
yield myself. Bethany was speaking at our women's conference, and thanks to you ladies on YouTube who are talking about the women's conference and what a blessing it was to you. And for those of you that missed our women's conference, this is the first year we were able to stream it. And I encourage you to go back and listen to every session. Every speaker had an entirely different topic, and yet they all came together for us to understand our freedom and our ability to set others free in God. But, you know, as we were in that uh, session, our closing session, as Bethany got up to share, and she began to talk about, you know, people, when, when we were, oh gosh, I can't remember how old Bethany was. Bethany must have been um, maybe 10. I don't know how old she was when we were on that one specific trip. We used to minister in California a whole lot. And uh, but this one specific trip that we were on and she shared about, um, she was fairly young. But I mean, our both of our children were forever impacted on what happened. And, and as we drove through Carmel, Carmel is such beautiful. People know Carmel by, you know, by the seaside. You know, it's just such a beautiful area. And we went there and we went to go have lunch one day before we were engaged in ministry again and preaching and ministering in a service that night. And it was when we were going through there that we saw um, in these really nice areas, it was, it was right close to the water, uh, that there were some adorable houses and the whole neighborhood was just beautiful, just driving up and down the streets looking, that's what we were doing. And suddenly kind of in the middle of it, there was this cemetery and people were out there laying on the graves invoking demonic spirits. Wow. We knew about that, but we'd never physically seen anybody do that until that day. And none of us will ever forget that. It really shook us. How could people want so much of power that they would want demonic power to sit there and ask those demonic spirits that were maybe lingering in that cemetery to come in them? Why? Why would they want that? And yet people in the body of Christ will not grow or take the step to say, Lord, I want so much of you and I want to be so much like you that I invoke the Holy Spirit. I invite the Holy Spirit, come into me. Don't just take up part of me. Come in and take up an abode, not just a visitation, but a habitation, because a habitation means you're going to dwell there. You're going to inhabit, and you're not going to leave. A visitation means you're coming for a little while, and you're going to leave again. I don't want the Holy Spirit to come for a little while and just help me through this crisis and leave. No way. I want him to take up a habitation inside of me, and in order for that to happen, I have to get rid of things in my life that grieve the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is sensitive and the Holy Spirit can be grieved. So fact, somebody was asking you yesterday about blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. You know, you were mentioning that to me, you know, but I'm not even talking about that. I'm just talking about the Holy Spirit can be grieved and we don't want to do that. So we want to fall so in love with God, understand our need for God, that we will practice the presence of God, that means everywhere I go, when I go in the grocery store, just in my spirit, I'm just praying a prayer. Holy Spirit, lead me while I'm in here. Help me find the best bargains because I'm being a good steward of the money that you have blessed me with. I want to be a good steward. I take that seriously. I take that important. If I don't waste my money on this and that, I have more money to sow into your kingdom and into the work of the ministry. So help me with this, Lord. And help me, God, that if there's somebody in this store you want me to impact, I don't go in there speaking in tongues and scare everybody and, you know, make everybody run away. No, you can pray in your spirit man, in your inner man, never even moving your lips when you've gotten into that place in the spirit. You can be praying all the time. In fact, the Bible says in the New Testament, and Paul says, pray without ceasing. So we actually are supposed to be in that place <coughs> that everywhere we go, everywhere, everything we do. In the Old Testament, you know, Joshua they, and Caleb were possessing the land. The Bible said that every place our foot shall tread is our territory to take. But I can't expect to take the territory if I am um, 
playing with my demons <laughs> if I'm refusing to get set free. But I've got to come to him and say, Lord, I love you, and I don't want to breathe a breath without you. I don't want to take a step without you. I don't want to make a decision without you leading. I don't want to choose the doctor that I'm going to without you. Do you know we even pray about that? You know, our daughter, and you know, because Bethany's on the broadcast here, you know, and her doctor decided that he is uh, coming to the place where he's still going to practice, you know, uh, medicine, but he's no longer going to deliver babies. And she just found that out about a month ago. And I'm going to tell you, the waterworks hit when he told her that because he delivered her first baby and she wanted him to deliver her second baby. And, and so she came to us. She came to my mom who's sitting here and my, my sister-in-law and relatives that are, you know, sitting here and very, very few people outside of family, but she came to us and said, please pray with me because this is a huge decision. I want to make the right decision for who's going to be caring for me and for my new little boy as he, we welcome him into the world. You know, God cares about that. You know, if he cares about the little sparrow and if he cares about the amount of hair you have on your head, he cares about everything. And when I practice the presence of God, then everywhere I go, whether it's in the workplace, whether it's into an area, all of us in this room and you watching, there are times that life dictates that we have to go into settings where we really don't want to go. And we're uncomfortable about it before we walk in the door. But he will go with us if I practice his presence. And so I want to encourage you in that. You see, it's not just about having a relationship with the Lord to say, oh, you can't do this, you can't do that, and you can't be a Christian if you do this and that. It's not even about that. When I fell in love with my husband, I don't want to do things that would displease him, and he's the same way with me. If there are certain things we know offends each other or rubs each other the wrong way or gets under you know, our skin or you know, makes us uncomfortable. We love each other. We don't want to do that. We don't want to create that kind of an atmosphere. So when you fall so in love with God, you don't want to do the things that you know would grieve his heart. You don't want to do the things that would separate you from him and from his presence. So I'm just encouraging you, you know, develop a life in the Holy Spirit. When you accepted Christ, you did receive the Holy Spirit. You know, he, he comes in, but it's not the fullness of the Holy Spirit. That's just like in a marriage relationship, a friendship, even in a parenting relationship. Your love grows day by day. And you know each other better day by day the more you spend time with that person. This could be, doesn't have to be a marriage. It could be just a friend. The more you're around them, the more you know them, the more you understand them. And it's that way in our relationship with God. Romans 8, 11 says, but if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you, that key word there, dwell, not the visitation, but taking up the habitation. If he dwells in you, that spirit, that's talking about the Holy Spirit. He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. The word is filled with it. I'm not taking the time tonight to go to a lot of verses. Those are just two that were in my spirit to share tonight. You know, those alone are reason enough for me to separate myself from the things of this world, find a church where I can be taught and I can, I can grow and I can serve to help others. Find that kind of a church a church that's going to encourage me in my walk with God, encourage me to get set free from all of my attachments to this world, and that's going to cause me to want to grow in God. Ask the Lord to cultivate a hunger in you for him. You see, we all go through dry seasons, every one of us. There are times where we feel so filled up and overflowed and bubbling over with the presence of God, but there are times we go through a dry season, and it's when we're in a dry season. There's, there's a, uh, the, the word is naba, N-A-B-A, which means to gush, to overflow, to spring forth. 
That's what we've got to ask the Holy Spirit to do when we're in a dry place because it is the Holy Spirit. It is his spirit speaking through prophets. The, the word Naba is about the prophetic. And that word, and that, that, that description of that word, it, when the prophetic is released in your life, it's just like when they spoke to the, uh, Ezekiel talking about speaking to the valley of the dry bones, okay? It's talking about that when not only the breath of God would come in them, but they were dry so they needed to be moistened. They needed the, the, the gushing of the Holy Spirit, which came forth when the prophecy was spoken for those valley of dry bones, for them to, to spring forth, for them to rise up, then for the, the, the sinews to come upon those bones as the bones came together, and, and for the, uh, the skin to come upon them, and the breath to come in them, and the life to come. Our bodies are primarily made up of water. We need that. We need that. And so that word prophesy means to gush, because God doesn't want us to stay in a dry season. We're going to have them. But when we're in a dry season, just like in the valley of dry bones, what caused the change was prophetic. Prophetic. We're a prophetic house. We're a fivefold house. We are fivefold ministers. We believe firmly in it. What do I mean by that? That God gave some, as Paul said, prophets, pastors, evangelists, teachers, and apostles. He gave them all to the church. Why? for the perfecting of the saints, for the building up of the body. We've got to have all of it. And so somebody watching is in a dry season because I wasn't going to share that and didn't pull the notes up, so I kind of botched it while I was sharing it, but hopefully you got the point. But as I started to turn it back to my husband, the Lord said, speak to the dry season, the dry places, and that's what I'm doing. By the power of the Holy Spirit, I'm speaking to you. You know what? We can't begrudge the dry seasons and the dry places because it's in those times when we don't hear God, we feel like he's not hearing us. We feel like that we're crying out to him and that everything's silenced and we can't hear him speaking back to us. But it's in those moments that patience is being worked in us. Trust in him is being worked in us. Trust in him, rely in him and keep pressing on practice his presence. And when you feel the seasons of dryness, prophesy. Prophesy to that dry place. That's good. Well, I didn't mean to scare everybody when I started <laughs> I don't think you scared today. them. I think that they're just so hungry they don't want to make a mistake. Here's, here's the thing that, that <laughs> I need to think about is that God judges us upon the heart, mm -hmm. the intent of the heart. And uh, there's times where we make mistakes and or we do things from the lack of knowledge, which in what I'm saying here is that when he's talking to Abram and telling him to get out of his country, get away from his kindred and get away from his family, but he's, what he's actually saying is that there are things inside of him as a result of country, family, and friends that is not valuable in the kingdom, and he needed to get those out in order to be an influence in a new culture. In other words, he couldn't take his religious form into a place to lead people when it's religion. You need to bring your relationship, which is the most important thing, with you. And in your relationship is where the love of Christ is shown. Because when you feel his love, you can't help but love others. And so look at this as being a part where that he judges on the intent of the heart. If your heart's right, then you don't have to worry right, exactly. about those things. You don't have to fret over them. Right. You just have to be aware that there are things that mm -hmm. God requires for us to remove out of our life uh, in order to get to our destiny. And um, we talk about anointings, and there are different levels of anointings and different types of anointings, but every anointing is going to cost you. There's a price to be paid for that. And, um, and it may be that the next level you need to go to requires you to remove a mindset, a way of thinking out of you in order to be able to see the scripture, to see the word of God in its truth. 
so that you can be free from that and God can work in your life on that level, if that, if that makes sense, what I'm saying there. But in this, at the end of the day, remember we had a, a guy who would always tell us, well, at the end of the day. <laughs> so at the everything. end of the day, the, the greatest thing that we can have is a love for God that brings us to a place that we are willing to remove things out of our life to have a closer walk with Him. You know that old song's just a closer walk with thee? I think to have that closer walk with Him is to be willing to remove things that He requires for us to remove, to let it go. And it might be a mindset you know, I'm, I'm, I'm amazed at how many, how many people carry things, all of us carry things from previous generations. And some people never recognize that that thinking could be wrong. And we need to change that. You know, it's, it's like a, a grandmother that was abused by her husband. And out of her anger, she begins to speak to her daughter her daughter now hands it down to the next generation, and then you've got a people that are men-haters that don't know why they hate men. And it's because of a great-grandmother that was abused by her husband, and they've handed that hatred down. Well, that's the wrong way of thinking. And that kind of thinking, you have, you have to harness and you have to get rid of it in order for God to be able to work in your life the way he needs to, to work and for you to be free from that fear or that frustration and that anger. So when we're able to, when we're willing to turn it loose, then God is able to come and occupy an area of our life that he wasn't able to occupy before. So when we turn it loose, he moves in and we have joy in those areas and peace in those areas. So I want to thank you for joining us tonight and I hope that this word um, hasn't scared you, <laughs> um, but it, it draws you closer to him that you come to a place that you're not fearing God because you're afraid he will clobber you over the head with a club, but you fear God out of reverence that you won't disappoint him. And in that, there's a peace that comes in your life knowing that you're willing to turn loose of whatever needs to be turned loose of and to walk after him with all of your heart. The word tells us to follow after him with our body, soul, and spirit, giving everything to him. And sometimes it's difficult because of the influences that we've had in our life. And we say, well, I went to an altar and I accepted him, but there could be different areas in our life that we're still holding on to that's contrary to his word. But as you grow, and as you allow him to work in your life, then you're able to start turning those things loose so that you can have that peace that he has for you. And so, if you have any, anything else you want I was to... just reading, I had looked up my notes from that just to read it. It said, one of the important things to do during seasons of dryness is to prophesy, because prophecy will revive the dry, dead places in your life. The Hebrew word for prophesy is naba. It means to bubble or flow forth, to gush, to flow, to, to boil up, or to boil over. Naba is the word that was used in Ezekiel when he was commanded by the Lord to speak to the dry bones, to prophesy to these bones and say to them, O oh, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. God promised that the dry bones, how about if I put these on, these on that would help, that the dry bones would be raised from their graves, brought back to life and restored to their inheritance. And we have the same promise from the Lord. So I just wanted to encourage you in that. Um, in, if you're in a season of dryness, it's time to prophesy. Practice the presence of God, practice the presence of the Holy Spirit, and rise up, amen, amen, and expect, 
expect God to bring about changes. We want to thank every one of you who've been watching with us tonight. Appreciate the encouraging words from our sister from, um, from New Zealand who's watching tonight. Thank you so much. And uh, from each of you, we love you all. And again, go back to our Facebook page and to our website. Watch all the broadcasts from this past weekend from the Unlocked Women's Conference, even if you're a man, you know, because it's the Word of God. They really weren't issues that dealt just with women. They were just biblical teachings. So they're going to help bring change to fan any Fantastic believer. meetings. I, I was here helping out, working with the audio and various different things that needed to be taken care of. And uh, the teaching that I heard was incredible. Amen. Incredible teaching. You know, you talk about prophesying. The word tells us that of all the gifts, yeah. seek to prophesy. Yeah. So there, there's something in our speech that when we begin to speak things, even over our own life, you need to prophesy to yourself. Right. And remind yourself what the word says. Mm -hmm. Then I want to go back to what you were saying when we were in California and we saw the people on the graves. Somebody says, well, where is that in the word? Well... In the Word, it says that the Moabites were coming, and there were two, two men that was carrying a dead friend, and they couldn't run quick enough, so they put him in a tomb. They threw him in a tomb, and it happened to be Elisha's tomb. And when his body hit Elijah's, Elisha's bones, yes, 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 he came <laughs> out of that tomb and caught up with the other guys that were Amen. running. Amen. Now... So that's, that is the spiritual context with that. But on the opposite side of that, people, people use that for demonic powers also, where that they invoke evil spirits into their lives. So the principle is the same, but the, but the outcome is different. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's where that comes forward, where it begins to make active. Now, we're not... We're not praying to the dead. The word says we don't practice necromancy. You don't do that. Um, you let the Holy Spirit come into your life. Amen. And he brings power into your life. Amen. So anyway. And Arnella, we want you to know, honey, we're continuing to pray for you, believing for a miracle um, and a speedy recovery. We're praying for Denise. We're praying for Erica and so many others. And Malloy, that's so kind of you. Um, that's our heart's desire, is to inspire those of you that are listening, whether you're here or whether you're watching online, to inspire you to have a greater hunger for the things of the Spirit. That's what this is for, to reach the lost and to challenge those who are already believers to go further so that we can make an impact to reach the lost. We love you all. Thanks Amen. Again. We love you. We're praying for you. Believe in God has some great things in store for you. And, and keep this in your mind. God has a miracle for you. And you need to move into that miracle. God bless you. And we'll see you again next time.